Destination Freedom. The Chicago Defender and Station WMAQ bring you Destination Freedom, a new radio series dramatizing the great democratic traditions of the Negro people, interwoven in the pageant of history and a part of America's own Destination Freedom. Today, Destination Freedom tells the story of the Reconstruction leader, Charles Caldwell, in a chapter entitled, The Story of 1875. I am a year. Of course, you know all about years. We inherit the habits of history. Men go by names. We go by numbers. I bear the number... 1875 A.D. I came into the world with my faults, my blunders, my heroes, and my cowards just ten years after the Civil War. I inherited the ideas of the years before me. I set the seeds for the years to follow me. I was the year 1875, and in Mississippi on January 1st, in the morning of my first day alive, ten men in odd regalia came to the home of Senator Charles Caldwell, and woke his wife. Who is it? What do you want? <laughs> what do we want, she says. <laughs> you hear that, boys? Tell yeah. her what we want. She ought to know. Who are you? If this is a New Year's joke, I don't... Well, she thinks it's a joke, boys. We gotta visit this county more often. People ain't heard about the organization. Uh, Fred, take a look around inside. Sure, wait, sure. I said, what do you want? Woman, what could ten men with sixteen shotguns want to do with a senator who goes up and down the state preaching race equality and yelling for the new voting laws? Yeah. Where's Caldwell? Come on, where's the senator? Where's your old man? He's not home. No one's here but me. He's telling us straight, Wade. Nobody in there. Yeah, Nobody's there. around. You sure? Well, uh, come on, let's go to Clinton. If he ain't here, he'll be in Clinton. What do you want with him? What has he done to you? He's tried to fix it so people like me can't live here. So ex-slaves and poor whites will be running and ruining the county. That's right. Those like him got no business playing senator. The people in Nebraska. Ah, the people. She calls them people. Yeah, let her alone, Wade. Let's go to Clinton. Well, first, I want his old woman to know we'll be back. Not tonight, Wade. He'll have them scalawags and yanks with him. Uh, not tonight, woman, but some night we'll get him. Maybe it'll take days, weeks, or months, but we'll get him before he gets us. Him and his Yankee songs and his scalawags and poor white friends... We'll get them for the years out. That was the way I started out in Mississippi. I was a reconstruction year. They were the men who wanted to make me over like the old years. And on New Year's night in his home, the senator who had once been a slave was singing with men who were carrying me ahead to a new freedom. 
right, that's enough, lads. Enough, lads, now, it's late. Surely you can see Mrs. Caldwell getting ready to be uh, tired of us and uh, being here and keeping the senator up. Oh, no. oh yes, it is, though. It's time we left him. Not so fast, sir. I haven't heard the senator say a word all evening. He's just been listening to that. Yes, how about it, Caldwell? How about drinking a toast? A toast to the New Year, Senator, and, and the common election. Yes, give us a speech, Senator. Speech! You want me making speeches when we ought to be making merry on New Year's night? Sure, go on. A word from the state, Senator. Go on. Go on, go on, go on. <laughs> they say it's not so hard to get you talking when you're on the Senate floor. They say you did plenty talking to stop the planners from holding on to the tax. <laughs> all right, all right, gentlemen, I'll say a word. A word I would have said to the men in white robes who came looking for me today. Something Lincoln said. Now, Charles, don't keep quoting Mr. Lincoln. <laughs> Maze of Fred, I'll come to the same end as Lincoln if I keep using the same words. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll say this. We're starting out on a good year, friends, all of us. Men who ten years ago would never have been allowed to live together as free and equal men. I was a slave. Ira was a carpenter for the slaveholders. Aye, and they ain't paid me last year's wages yet. <laughs> and Grant, a slave. Mason, Cabell, ten years ago you were overseers, remember it? Uh, I've never quite forgotten it. And here we're together, on the same side, on the ground that was once a plantation, planning how to make it so there'll be more freedom, sure freedom for everyone this year, and we'll do it. There's a civil rights bill to be passed in Washington that'll wipe out every trace of the old system, gentlemen. The last ten years have been good. This'll be better. It won't be better. All over the county, we hear of men who demand the right to be free of plantations being beaten and driven back. Well, sir, no denying it, Senator. As fast as the federal troops leave, mobs led by the old planters spring up and call themselves clans. I was right. It's going to be different from now on, Senator. They defy the law and they're getting bolder. There's nothing we can do to stop them. They're strong. They're weaker than we are, Cabell. We, the poor whites and the Negro freedmen, we are the majority, not the old slaveholders. We know they organize bands against us and wait on their plantations like wounded lions, ready to split us apart when we quarrel. But for eight years, we've been together. You've even elected me your senator. They voted against us. We were strong. I don't know now, bro. And we'll get on with reconstructing the state for the benefit of all the people in it. Not for a few who still hold the land. Yeah, but when the troops are withdrawn, Senator... The governor has promised that the troops will stay until the changes are made. But the planters, they're, they're still waiting for a chance to... Let them wait. They're bourbons now, like the old bourbons in France, clinging to an old, decayed way of living. They'll defy the new civil rights amendment. They'll poison us in their papers. They'll play one of us against the other. But if we keep white and Negro together here in the South for ten, five more years, we'll win out. We'll have a democracy. <laughs> no, there. Uh, I've made a speech. <laughs> May always says you can't keep me from making a speech. <laughs> well, that's what we came to hear and what we need, too, to start off the new year. A toast, gentlemen, and we'll drink it in good old Scotch whiskey. <laughs> All right, what'll it be, Senator? What's on your calendar that's important? A toast to it. To this year's election. May every man in the South, black and white, be free to vote. Here, here. Cabell, you're not drinking. Not scotch, Senator. My taste is for bourbon this year. Yes, I was the year when a few men with a taste for old times wanted to turn back. But those who believed they could build better years went ahead. And while my months passed, the senator, who had been a slave, 
went about his business of binding people together. With fresh copies of the new amendment that had been agreed upon, he traveled throughout the county. He took the words to the farmers and freedmen and told them to read it. Uh, this the law about voting, Senator? It's the new law, Mr. Jones. What's it like, Senator? What's it mean? It says what it means. Read it and tell everybody about it. Well, it says 14th Amendment. Yes. It says the right of citizens to vote should not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. It, it means this state, too. This state, too. And it says the Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Legion. It, it means... It means for the first time, Negroes will vote in the state. It means you'll get a new weapon. Hold on to it. This year you'll need it. And the senator went on telling more people about the new right. And they were behind him. Even in the legislature, he helped pass new bills over the objection of the old planters. Together, the white men and black men were making a new South. The senator who had been a slave stood in the legislature and put new ideas into law. Chair recognizes Senator Caldwell. Mr. Chairman, in accordance with the 13th Amendment, I'm proposing that we abolish all segregation in the state of Mississippi. And his proposal was made into law, and he rose again. Chair recognizes Senator Caldwell. Mr. Chairman, to put teeth in the bill against segregation, I offer an amendment to provide a fine of $5,000 against any officer or agent of any railroad or vessel guilty of Jim Crowism. I offer a bill to recognize the property rights of women to establish free public schools, unsegregated as to race, creed, or color. And before I, the year 1875, had passed many months, the laws were written and agreed on. They stood on the books. But there were men who stood outside the law. There was the planter Preston Whipper, he was one of the wounded lions waiting for his years to come back. He spat when the senator passed. <laughs> good morning, Mr. Whipper. What's good about it, slave? This is the last morning of the old laws segregating citizens in our state, Mr. Whipper. For a man who's just been ten years free, you got an awful lot to do with the laws. The laws, everybody's business. The likes of you ain't got no business with it. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I've heard your words before. And when you hear me again, it won't be with words and laws. One day, slave senator, the poor whites will be united with me, not with you. What is there for anyone to unite on with you? Race. Suppose they'd rather unite for the right to vote and be equal under the law. Suppose they don't go with you. Those who don't want to join with me, we have our ways of persuading. One day we'll put an end to you and your reconstruction. Next time when night riders come your way, you'll not live to tell about it. The senator heard, but the senator went on his way. Then slowly the days in my year began to change. 
There were jobless men and hungry men joining the riders, looking for the leaders of the reconstruction. And they would come on horseback and knock on the doors at night. Hold up, hold, hold up, Ed. Is this here the place, Bob? Sure, it's the Jones place. I saw him with the senator. It's him, all right. I know his place. No, sure. Good boy. What is it? What do you want? Open that door. We'll break it in. Who? What do you want? What is it? Uh, if a man who's facing a shotgun, he talks too big, don't he? I'm asking what you want. We didn't come to give you what you deserve. We'll just give you a warning. What? What have I done? Go on, Wade. Give it to him. Both barrels. I tell you, put down the gun. Haven't done anything. Yeah, sure, Wade. Put down the gun and take the rope. Maybe that'll teach him to stay away from ex-slaves like that Corwell and to vote the way he's told when it's time to vote. Go on, Wade. Teach him. Ah, he's scared already. Don't need teaching. Just remind him. Remind him and maybe he'll join us in the fun. Fun? Yeah. Putting folks back in the line. Teaching them self-respect instead of cooperating with ex-slaves. You'll come along? No, I, I'm not up to it. Please leave me alone. My wife's sick I know I... all about it. You just remember when you come to the polls. You vote right or not at all. They wanted men to forget the new right to vote, to put the right back into the hands of a few instead of the many. They had the rope, the faggot, and my days were filled with terror. And while I was in the middle of my months, the senator went to the governor. The governor listened. The governor was worried. Everybody, every official on the Reconstruction side says the same thing, Caldwell. What can we do? The mobs are too strong for us to risk an open fight. Oh, let them alone. It'll blow over. When we let it blow over, all the good we've done will be blown away with it. Unless people in the South are given a chance at free schools and education for both Negro and white, a chance to live in peace together, the freedom we fought for in the war will be lost. We've moved ahead. Don't turn back now. Make the law stick. But how? How, Senator? Enforce them. There are too few troops to enforce anything. The planters raise their own armies. You once said the poor whites and the freedmen would be natural allies. Now the whites are going over to the side of the planters. You see that. I see that. I, I know why. It's because the planters still own the land. They have the power to say work for us or starve. They have the land. Now they want to take the last weapon of independence from the freedmen. That weapon is the right to vote. The election is coming in November, Governor. It'll be the most crucial election in the state. If freemen go to the polls and vote, we move ahead. The civil rights will stick. If they're driven away, there'll be no more free voting for Negroes or whites. I believe this. And what do you want me to do? Give me permission to organize our own militia from the people, to fight the planters and keep down the clans. Very well. See what you can do. There's not much time before November comes. <laughs> There was still time to bring together 300 men in the heart of Mississippi who joined to carry on the Reconstruction and to teach the new civil rights. There was still time, and the senator took it. They marched through the state, and the terror and the clans were quiet. The Reconstruction went ahead. The senator stopped at the workshop of Carpenter Ira, 
He was building the new school. How long would it take to put up the school, Ira? Well, with things quite like they are now, it ought to be, say, oh, two or three years. Two or three years. Wonder if I'll be here to see it finished. Oh, sure you will. <laughs> you worried about the election? Ah, don't be. I have the county that ain't scared us for you, including me. If there's any voting, you'll be in. A lot of the men are going over to the side of the plantation owners. Uh, uh, that's right. Yes, some of those we thought would stick have gone over. There was Cabela here, and there was George and Brown. <laughs> they take it safer. And you, Ira? I see you've got a uniform of the clan hanging here. Uh -huh. Yes, uh, they came to be the smartest senator. The men who led the mobs for the planters. And they were telling me uh, to come on over to the master class. They say the Negroes be natural enemy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I told them to look at the schools we're building now. The slaveholders were in power a hundred years. Yeah, but they never built any free schools for nobody, black nor white. And, th and then this voting. <laughs> they say it's for the white folks only. Well, I told them I never got a chance to vote when there was slavery. Oh, and then they said to me, think it over. And they gave me this sheet for a uniform. Well, I ain't got no sheets at home, so I said... I'll take the whole idea home and sleep on it. <laughs> That's what shades are for, ain't they? Then the senator went to friends and spread the news of Ira's stand. And it stiffened the men fighting to rebuild the South. And when the senator was tired, he went home to rest to wait for the voting month. But there was other news waiting for him. May was standing, waiting at the door. You... You've had a message, Charles. What is it? Have the mobs been here again? No. Not the mobs. But an invitation to the mob. What are you talking about? Charles, there's no more reconstruction. There's no more support from the governor. All the troops have been withdrawn. Withdrawn? Yes. The governor wired you. It had to be done, he said. But he said he'd wait until after the voting was done. I told him why. I told him to give us time, a little more time. There's no more time, Charles. What are you going to do? We'll wait for the voting. We'll gather all our strength to test the new amendments. We'll let November tell what we'll do. I am the month of November. I was the voting month. When I came, the senator welcomed me and went to work trying to make the days in my month quiet, peaceful days. The old planters were loose and the mobs were doing their work. Again, they covered the county on horseback with ropes and faggots, hammering on doors, pulling people out into the night. And as I came closer to the voting week, the senator went out to the farms and homes. Some men were afraid and wouldn't talk with him. And finally, he walked along the streets where mobs roamed. And they saw him and called out. Well, look who's a coming. Yeah, the slave senator. Hey, Bart, look who thinks he's going to get elected again. <laughs> uh, he wants to talk. Let him talk. Let's hear it. Uh, now, what have you got to say about your civil rights? Your reconstruction, senator? I've got to say the rights are not only for me. And the reconstructing is for every man among us. The right to vote is the right of all. The right to vote in this state for white men and white men only. You hear that, Senator? I hear it. I don't believe it. 
I came to talk to you because a year ago, before you became a Fred, some of you sat in my home. Now you're afraid the planters won't hire you if you work with Negroes. They tell you to segregate Negroes, and you do it. If they say these rights are not for Negroes, what's to stop them from saying it's not for Catholics, Jews, Irish, the foreign-born? If the right to rule is for white men only, what will you say to the majority of the world which is not white? Listen. Don't listen to him. You talk enough. You change nothing here, understand that? Get on. And stay away from the voting if you want to keep alive. Gentlemen, I'd like to say... You said enough. We're not listening. Your days are numbered, Senator. You live longer if you keep away from the polls. I am the week when the voting began. And though he knew he was being watched, he was at the polls. There was terror in the streets and in the counties. The planters were turning time back ten years. But the senator who had been a slave stood in line, waited for his ballot. Name? Goldsby Lee. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're not voting for none of them there scalawags and Negroes, are you? Oh, no, sir. No, sir. Well, good. Never... Take your ballot, then. Next. You here? I'm here. They warned you not to show up here, Caldwell. I heard them. Ballads, please. Look, can't you tell when your sign ain't winning? You know how many people they've given the rope and lashed to already? It's a white primary hereafter. Look, the planters have the power now. They got their own militia. I'm trying to help you. You'll help more by giving a ballot to every man registered for it. You're holding up the voting. All right. Here's your ballot. But if you take it, the planters will see to it that there'll come a day when a bullet will go with it. I was a Christmas day, and the planters still celebrated the death of the Reconstruction. Still, they were unsure as long as leaders lived who remembered the civil rights and the new laws. I was a disastrous day when the men in the odd regalia came back. They knocked on the door of the senator's house. Who's there? What you want? She still says, what do we want? Ah! Yeah, <laughs> you hear that, Fred? Open that door, we'll blast it in. You. What are you looking for? Well, at least she recognizes us now. We're pretty well known around these parts since a year ago, eh, ma'am? What do you want? You know as well as I do what we want. That slave senator. Where is he? He's not here. I don't know where he is. He's telling you right where he is. I looked around. She's alone. Why don't you let him alone? Why don't he leave the voting alone? Him and his scallywags and their equal rights stuff. You won the election. Let him alone. The boss says it ain't safe leaving ideas like those in his head loose in the county. We'll stay here till we get him. No you stay in here, Wade. If he's any way, he's at Clinton. We got Cabell with us. He knows the senator's habits. On Christmas Day, he goes to Clinton. It's there we'll get him. And on my day, the men in sheets went to Clinton to find the senator. And they spoke to Cabell, the ex-overseer. Now, uh, you'll be coming down the road, Cabell. Uh, you'll see him? Yeah, uh, I'll see him. You know what to do. You know what told you. I know. I know. Uh, be sure you do. He knows you. He trusts you. You'll offer him a drink. But if he refuses... This is a holiday. You can insist, can't you? You'll take him to the open bar at Moe's. Sit him near the bar. His back does. You understand? Yeah, yeah. Then when you raise your glass, tap it in a toast. That'll be the signal. We'll go to work. Yeah. You nervous? The the drinker hit me. Uh, you'll be rewarded. 
You learn a place and the order, understand? Ah, uh, yeah, but can't you get someone else? You with us or against us? I'm with you. But he has a devilish way of knowing what's happening. He has a way. Well, we got better ways. We picked a day and a place. Now you set the hour and the minute. We'll be watching. I am the hour on the Christmas day, the year 1875, that was picked to spot the senator. And as I ticked into minutes, Cabell came to him and spoke. Uh, senator Caldwell? Yes. It's uh, me, Senator, old Buck Cabell. Uh, don't you recognize me? Why, yes. It's been a year since I've last seen you at my house. New Year's Day, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it was. World seemed to change a lot since then. Lots happened, some good, some bad. Would you care for a drink? I, I haven't much time. Oh, I just won on a holiday. I know how you feel about the election, the reconstruction plans. Uh, this will make you feel better. Well, maybe it will. They always said I'd end up like Lincoln. And in my hour, according to plan, Cabell sat down with the senator in a booth near the bar. Uh, sit this way, Senator. Uh, take this seat here, if you don't mind. No, I don't mind. I know when my time's up. What's that? Nothing. You still drink bourbon? Yeah, yeah, I do. Mind if I pour yours? Not at all. Yeah. Shall we make a toast? If I can think of one this minute. I am the minute in the hour in 1875. When the drink was poured and the senator raised his glass for the toast. What were you going to say, Senator? I was thinking of something Lincoln said. I had wanted to say it to men who tried to stop me from voting. Yeah? Lincoln said, Liberty is the heritage of all men. Destroy it and you plant the seeds of despotism at your own door. Get familiar with hatred and put chains around others and you prepare your own limbs to wear chains. Accustom yourself to trample and destroy the rights of others. You will become fit subjects of the first cunning tyrant who rises among you. It will be easy to destroy me, Charles Caldwell, and turn back the demands now for civil rights. But they'll grow stronger, and demands will be born again in another generation. Then no mob will be able to destroy them. A toast to tomorrow when the whites and Negroes in my state will again try for the civil rights I tried to bring them. Toast. And I am the split second in the year 1875 that marked the time when the glasses were touched. And the signal was given. And the assassin snapped the life of Charles Caldwell. I am the year 1875. I was a reconstruction year. I came with my heroes and my cowards. And I entered the life of Charles Caldwell, a senator who had been a slave and who planted the seed of civil rights in the Mississippi soil. Oh, freedom. Oh, freedom. Oh, freedom over me. And before I'd be a slave, I'd be buried in my grave and go home to my Lord and be free. 
just heard Destination Freedoms, dramatization of the story of Charles Caldwell, Negro and Mississippi State Senator during the days of the Reconstruction. Destination Freedom is written by Richard Durham and produced under the direction of Homer Heck. <laughs> Senator Caldwell was played by William Nix. Others were Ernie Andrews, Oscar Brown, Jr., Don Gallagher, Ken Griffin, Jonathan Hall, Janice Kingslow, Charles Mountain, Art McCool, Fred Pinkard, and Cliff Sabir. Greg Pascal was the singer. The special music was written by Emil Soderstrom and was played by Elwin Owen and Bobby Christian. This is Hugh Downs inviting you to be with us again next week for another in our series on the Negro in Democracy, Destination Freedom. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.